You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father, for this gathering here in this room this morning, uh, as we uh, generally discuss faith in the family and uh, today what that might mean for each of our households to devote ourselves to you, help us in that regard. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. So uh, the the title that I, I gave this class is uh, the household as a context for making uh, disciples. I'm really excited about this. this. Is something I've been thinking about for a couple of years. I'll talk to you about that both today and next week. I hope you'll come back because it really is a, a two-parter. I'm going to be more abstract today and next week much more practical. Um, and so by just to come to terms about a few things by making uh, disciples, I mean, first of all, uh, bringing, helping to bring people to trusting faith in Jesus Christ uh, and uh, or uh, also on the other end of that, helping someone uh, to grow in their maturity and confidence in, in Jesus Christ. Uh, so that's what I mean by making disciples. It's the, the full spectrum, both coming to faith and what, what is happening in someone as they have trusting faith in Jesus Christ. And by household, uh, I mean those who simply live under one roof together. Uh, that could mean, probably especially for those of you here, because this is the Faith and Family series, uh, families, parents with children, uh, but it, it could mean uh, housemates. Um, it could mean other situations where people... Uh, share a household together. So I want to sort of throw that in there as well. And so I'm assuming that you're here today, uh, specifically today, or that you come to the faith and family class maybe regularly or on occasion uh, because you simply want to do the right thing by your family. Um, that, that, that title of faith and family probably attracts you to the idea of, of doing the right thing by your family, particularly uh, that might be for your children, uh, or if you don't have children or your children are, are now gone, that might mean your spouse. It could mean grandchildren or others. Just a, a general concern for, for immediate family or extended family when it comes to uh, the Christian faith. And maybe uh, there's some sense of duty about this, that, that you have maybe even uh, uh, guilt uh, around uh, these things. Um, maybe it's related to moral behavior, leading a good life, or maybe it's a concern for salvation, um, and maybe you want help with this. And that's uh, why you uh, are coming here today and you come uh, to this class, and maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel that uh, you've tried things and it's failed or it's fizzled out or you're trying your best, and maybe you feel like you're uh, banging your head against the wall. Or maybe you felt like you've had some sort of success in this regard and you just want to take it further. You want to go deeper, uh, making a lot of assumptions here. But I'm trying to put myself in, in your shoes and as a father of uh, children and as a, as a husband, um, these are just sort of feelings that I have had and do have. And, and one of the, the big problems, one of the major obstacles for us nowadays in terms of this idea of faith in the family or in our household is that there are so many distractions. There are so many distractions uh, in our world. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't think that there ever was a, a true sort of golden age to be a, a Christian. Um, but uh, uh, 
uh, right now, there seems to be more so than uh, or in different ways in, in prior generations or in other parts of the world even. For us as Americans here and now, uh, there's just this sort of relentless uh, stuff and sense of uh, need to, to be participating in so many different things coming at us from so many different angles. And all, I mean, these are the, sort of the usual corporate uh, culprits, work, school, activity, sports, extracurricular activities, events, screens, magazines, newspapers, video games, social media, other media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You fill in the blank. You know what all those different things are that are coming at us. Um, but these things, I think, are probably just too obvious. That's the sort of, that's low-hanging fruit to pick on social media. I mean, I like to pick on social media, but it is uh, low-hanging fruit and everything else. The true root distraction is honestly just our continued rebellion against God, even as, as, um, as believers, as Christians, that we, we continue to have that uh, rebellion Inside of us, even as professing Christians, we see this dilemma in, in the Bible. We see it. Uh, so many of us like to quote Romans chapter 7. Uh, you know, there are things that I want to do and I can't do them. There are things that I, I keep doing and I don't want to do. Uh, but you can consider other things. The, the author of Hebrews points out that uh, Christians uh, were f- failing to meet together in, in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10. And he says, uh, don't like some people uh, fail to to gather together, to meet together, to remind each other of the gospel, to encourage each other, uh, to to correct each other even. Uh, and there's also the sort of rampant individualism that we're seeing right now in First Corinthians as we go through it. That these are the kinds of things that even uh, in the life of uh, Christians and Christian families in the church that continue to keep us. Um, from from sharing faith together with other people, even the people that uh, are closest to us and that we love uh, the most, that these co- uh, these uh, problems continue to this day. If, but if we're uh, people of the one true God, if we are the people of the one true God, um, then I think we ought to share this fact together. We ought to share the fact that we're the people of God uh, together and not sort of uh, hold it privately, especially with the folks who also uh, believe this. Uh, And this could look like instructing our children uh, and giving them the gift of the knowledge of freedom in Jesus Christ to rescue from sin, death, and all the evil forces of this life that seek to corrupt us, to, to share that gift with our children. Uh, and regularly show, sharing these joys together in common prayer and devotion uh, in ways that might feel normal and not burdensome or awkward, <laughs> which is often I've felt. I'm saying I'm just sort of telling you my experience, but I'm assuming that you've felt this way too. Uh, and if you haven't, then I don't know why you're in this room. Go to another class. Um, <laughs> The, uh, and, uh, but we're, we're actually made for this type of life. This is what we're created for. Uh, the story in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is that God created us for himself to be in relationship, not only with him, to be in relationship with his people together uh, through him. Uh, that, that's uh, what God created us for. It's the final vision that we get. Um, uh, especially if you read Revelation of, of where we're heading, uh, is this shared life uh, together, uh, not only with God, but with God's people uh, through God. 
through Jesus Christ. And so, that, and that's the thing that the best way that we know how to do this is through Jesus. Um, because if it's not through Jesus, then it might be some other God that we're worshiping. So our ultimate goal is to be uh, people uh, gathered around together uh, Jesus Christ, to be worshiping him. He's our our true king. That's our ultimate destination, uh, our ultimate destiny. Uh, And in this life, we're, we're meant to draw more people in, into that gathering. That's what church means, actually, in the Greek. It literally means gathering. You might think it means a lot of other things, but ultimately it means gathering. You all are gathered here today around the word of God. We are doing church in this room. Like You might have other visions of what church means, but this is church. Because we're going to read the Bible today. And Jesus said when that happens, uh, church is happening. And that's, uh, that's what uh, we're uh, meant for. We're meant to draw more people into that fellowship and to have foretastes of what our ultimate destiny is uh, in in this life and not only that because uh, this life is one of trial and suffering and perhaps even persecution maybe you might not feel persecuted but plenty of christians uh, do in other parts of the world because of these things uh, we need each other to to persevere uh, to to persevere in the the trust and the hope that we have because it's so difficult to to do it by ourselves and nowhere should this be uh, more palpable than in the household uh, with the people that we care about the most and, uh, and want to, uh, to love uh, in the, 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 the freest, uh, most uh, special way than, than in our home. We should want this for our children and the other people that we love that we share life together with under the, the same roof. You know, even maybe even your housemates. Uh, if you're if you're single, um, and this is a place also where we spend so much of our time. I mean, uh, maybe after work, uh, so much so much of our time is often sp- spent more so at work. But if you consider even the sleeping hours, at home you probably spend as much, if not more, time uh, at home uh, with these people. And I, so I'm uh, able to say all these things to you, not only because I've, I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation uh, and uh, I've had some uh, authors that I've read that have sort of led me to want to think this way, but because I said before that I'm a, uh, I'm a husband and a father of uh, three children and, and we have a fourth coming on the way. Did you know that? I don't know what we're thinking. Um, <laughs> And and also a, a, a church pastor, and so I think I think about I ought to be thinking about, but I do think about these things a lot. And and not too long ago, during my time here at the Advent, I really felt all these pressures and everything that I've just described to you for myself, and, and felt like it's just it wasn't happening in our home. It wasn't happening in our household and and I wanted it to happen, but it wasn't, especially because of all those distractions uh, that I listed to you that seemed to be uh, getting in the way of the thing that I wanted most in life, which was to be leading my children in in faith in Jesus Christ and a lifelong uh, trust uh, uh, in salvation in Jesus Christ, at least for these 18 years until we, you know, release them out into the, the vicious world. Uh, but they, and that, but even after that, you know, I would hope that they would still uh, come back and we would still have that together. But at least for these 18 years, 
uh, this limited window of time to try to do something about it while have their uh, captive attention and their minds are being molded, whether we like it or not. You know, something is catechizing them. So I might as well be the one doing it. Because uh, if it's not me, the, the world will do it for me, and I might not um, want um, I might not want that. So we've had in our household some major mind shifts uh, in the last couple years, and um, and uh, some of them I want one in particular that I want to share with you really next time is a, is a concept called that people are calling family worship, and this has been the most powerful thing uh, for us. We've done some other things, some of them might not be of interest to you, but this I think all families could do. Um, and, uh, and and we love it. We desire to do it now, although we fail sometimes. We failed the last two weeks because we had the flu. Uh, it's been very difficult in our household, but we've, we've tried and it, it has uh, been a real blessing uh, for our family. But today I just, I mostly want to just sort of set the stage to give you a biblical understanding of why this might matter and challenge some of our common American assumptions uh, about uh, life and the pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or whatever it is. Um, so why, you know, from a biblical perspective, does the household matter? Uh, and it's important to ask uh, that question of anything, you know, from a biblical perspective, why is what we're talking about? Why, why does this matter? Uh, why should it matter? And so uh, the thing is that throughout the Bible, God is interested in and works through families and households. This is sometimes difficult for us to wrap our minds around because we often think on individual terms. And of course, God does deal with individuals like you know Jonah, for example. But he's more often seeming to be working through families and households. Uh, than he is through individuals. You see this in the Old Testament from as early as Adam and Eve and their children, Cain and Abel and Seth, uh, through to Abraham and his descendants, which becomes the nation of Israel. And Aaron and Moses, uh, Moses and his brother Aaron lead Israel, all those descendants of Abraham, out of Egypt, and they divide the promised land uh, by the families, uh, by the descendants of those sons of, uh, of uh, uh, Jacob. Uh, and then uh, with King David and his descendants and the promise of a, a king to sit on the throne that would be uh, uh, one of his descendants. And uh, into the New Testament, uh, you see this with the families of Jesus in the beginning of the, the Gospels with the families of Jesus and John the Baptist. And uh, and then in the Acts of the Apostles and the Epistles, you see God still working through households. Um, as a matter of fact, literal homes were churches. They didn't have buildings like we have now. That they, they gathered in people's homes. And uh, also full households came to conversion and uh, were baptized. Um, and so you see that this is a primary place of concern uh, in the Bible. And that's the primary thing that I want us to recognize uh, today is, is the, this sort of biblical perspective on the household. Um, and um, so I hope I'm not overwhelming you uh, with all of this and uh, these sort of lofty notions and making you feel guilty at all. I just want to sort of highlight these ideas for you today. And I want to look at uh, some scripture together, um, uh, just to 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 uh, wrestle with scripture itself and to see some of what I'm talking about. And I want to look at a passage in the Old Testament. There are plenty of places I could have gone, 
because I'm assuming most of you are coming here because you're concerned about your children in particular, I thought this could, could be a nice passage to look at. And I think it still uh, applies to us today. If you have a Bible, uh, you can find Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, or if you have a cell phone, I'm sure you could find uh, a Bible on your cell phone. Um, I would say let's maybe there's some in here, but I doubt it with all these books. I kind of actually doubt that there's even a Bible. There might be one in the, uh, the Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, if you could look at verse, starting at verse 4, I just want to uh, look at a few verses in the beginning of this chapter and a few verses at the end of the chapter. This is just to give you context. Uh, Moses has reminded them of the Ten Commandments uh, in the previous chapter, and this is what this is uh, what happens right after. He says, "Hero Israel." Uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And then skipping down to verse 20. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as uh, we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Here's what I want you to do. I know this is unusual for our 10 o'clock hour classes, but so what? Um, if you could get with just uh, three or four people near you in small clusters and look at these verses again, verses 4 through 9 and 20 through 25. If no one in your cluster of three or four has a Bible, find someone who does or a cell phone that hasn't. Look at this together. Again, here's what I want you to do is just answer this question. What do these verses tell us about uh, the household as a context for, for making disciples? For make, Remember what I said, that a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, bringing people to trust in Jesus and helping them to grow in their uh, knowledge and, and trust in Jesus. What does is, what is this pass, these verses tell us about the household as a context for that activity? Take a few minutes. Go. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Okay, let, let's uh, come back together as a large group here. Curious to hear your reflections, if anyone's willing to share based on what you talked about from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Anybody? So what we talked about with ours was, um, especially in verses 4 through 9, the way we, the thing that we came away from with it is that we have all these small moments throughout our day. Like it doesn't have to be this big sit down, literal come to Jesus meeting. Like it can just be while we're like eating breakfast or washing the dishes or doing yard work. Like there's all these like little moments that we can take captive that we lots of times forget about. Yeah, sort of permeates everything, kind of. Yeah. We talked about just kind of the differences between different personalities of children and that there's some that will sit down and are receptive to reading the Bible or praying together and there's some, especially as they get into the teenage years, <coughs> that are a little more standoffish. And what was the book that you said that Cameron recommended? I, I can't remember. I never remember names, but he mentioned it last Sunday, Touchy Topics, something like that. He mentioned it in here. It's on the recording. Oh, the Sticky Phase? Sticky Phase, yeah. that's it. Thank you. So it being more conversation, like topics to sit down and have a conversation with them about, like in this situation, would you do this or would you, you know, how would you handle this situation? Uh -huh. So it's a little more interactive instead of us trying to be like teachers and then teenagers tend to kind of push back when we try to impart wisdom upon them. Uh -huh. So instead of that, it being more conversational. Yeah, and this is describing conversations as you pointed out. Anything else, reflections on Deuteronomy chapter 6? Yeah, Ginger. In the first section, and I could be reading this wrong, but like, so he's talking about, in, or in the first part, it's about like the law of God, like mm -hmm. God's standard, like the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is following the commandment. And then there's the summary of the law that Jesus uses at the beginning of chapter six, which we, is in there, yeah, yeah. So I kind of read it like the first part is like, you need to let your children know the standard of God's law that you know, yeah. we are all accountable for. Yeah. And then, but then when it, the, the end when it says, in the future when your son asks you, what is the meaning of God's law? Right. What, yeah. Why does that matter for me? And like, then it goes into like deliverance that the actual... You know, the Lord commanded us to obey all these dec decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. Um, and if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Like, I mean, but, you know, we have the rest of the story. That yeah. Jesus right. fully kept the law. But yeah. I think I think what I was convicted of um in reading this is that I don't talk about like the law of God and like what Jesus actually did on my behalf so that I could be imputed his righteousness, yeah. which is just as important. I mean, I, I want to talk about yeah. um, 
Yeah, the, the, the hitting on the, the equivalent for us in verses 20 through 25 is we haven't been delivered from Egypt and Pharaoh, but our deliverance is um, from much deeper right. matters that Jesus has given us. And um, we can read that on top of this. And we, we should want, what's the reason for all that, that you're sharing with me, mom or dad? Jesus Christ and what he's done for us is, is kind of the equivalent. Uh, for New Testament people. Any other thoughts on Deuteronomy 6? Or anything that I've said? Yeah. It was in our conversation, I was just pointing out too that the method described in verses 4 through 9 is also Jesus' method in many of the episodes in the New Testament that he's very often. Just he's on doing, the go. He's doing something. Yeah. Fishing with people, right? You know, like, oh, here's, a, here's a message, here's a lesson. Yeah. So it's kind of taking that method and using it in our mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain assumptions here about um, what's going on. You know that um, the 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 kids are asking these questions. The, the the these are sort of hypotheticals. And Moses is providing hypotheticals, but the assumption, uh, you know, when your son asks you in the time to come what is the meaning of this assumes that you've been just generally been talking to them about it you know and they've got questions to raise you see what i'm saying uh, and then and then you provide an answer yeah you don't necessarily uh it doesn't have to come at particular times and places as much as i mean really the the metaphor that you're getting here in verses four through nine is everywhere and anywhere right um there are some jewish people who actually wear they, I forget what they're called, the things like a, yeah, phylacteries and stuff like this. They take it literally. But I think it's it's really meant to be sort of just giving you a vision of this should be in front of your eyes all the time. It's what you should be thinking about, sort of breathing and consuming all the time. Um, it should sort of come out of you also uh, almost organically. Any other thoughts on this? No, I'm yeah. asking this in the full awareness of my hypocrisy on the question. Yeah. But if we talk about this in just in an organic fashion, it seems to me though that if we're not either individually or as a family or just in church, church attendance, if we don't nail it down to a time and a place with some specificity, boom, it's not going to happen. So uh, the yep. Just in, and and I've, I've failed that miserably for 37 years. But yeah, if we don't like have it with our coffee, that's there you go. Probably not going to come back on any other. So part two, next time what I want to share with you, um, thank you for the transition. <laughs> hey, here's the first thing. Okay, this is just, the first thing I'm going to give you uh, is not what I want to talk about next time. But this is the, what, um, this is not the root problem. As I said, the root problem is our sin and rebellion. But this is what it looks like in 21st century America. And I think it's a big problem. This is from a New York Times article that some of you probably, someone probably shared it on your Facebook feed or whatever, emailed it to you. When I read this, I, I, I feel like it's describing what I experience in my life with our family and the people that I spend the most time with. It's holding up a mirror. <coughs> And the person is writing this New York Times article not um, from a Christian perspective at all. Uh, it's just uh, holding up a mirror, I think, to 
specifically white upper middle class young people <laughs> with children. Um, and, uh, and that, uh, I, the, those things are often more important to us, uh, what's being described in this relentlessness of modern American parenting are much more important to us just in practical terms, the way that we spend our time and energy and concern than uh, the stuff that, say, is being described in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I agree with Matt that it helps to have at least uh, some times where you're deliberate. And that will aid the kind of uh, the, um, the moment by moment. That's why we gather every Sunday at particular times for church. You know, we're not... We're not always in church, but the fact that we come to church on Sunday should permeate the rest of our week. So I wrote this article uh, last end of last year that I'm handing around. Hopefully there are enough copies. Maybe if you're in a couple, just take one. Um, describing what we've done in our household to this effect. A lot of people have called this concept family worship. I don't think it's actually the best title. Uh, for a couple reasons, but there are a lot of books, or if you go online, you can find people talking about family worship. And I was intrigued by this idea. Um, uh, so we've been trying. It was very difficult to start, uh, but now it's become a routine, and it has affected our lives in ways that we see. Like, for example, our kids talk about Jesus and sing songs on a regular basis. And that's because we've taken that deliberate time every day uh, to do this with them. Um, and so there are a lot of things that you could do. I think this is one that uh, is really, I've seen a lot of power in. Um, and so a gift to you, this article, if you want to come back next week, that's all I'm going to talk about. I'm just going to share next week. I'm going to demonstrate. Maybe I'll even have Holly would you, if you're game, we can just demonstrate what we do. Uh, maybe we can even have the kids come in, um, and maybe we can have we can have family worship with you guys, uh, and uh, I'll I'll bring in the liturgy that I've created. Like you don't you don't have to use mine, but it's just as an example of what you can do. Uh, maybe you don't have maybe you're not going to do it every day, but maybe you could do it once a week, uh, or maybe you could start with once a week and see uh, if that might be uh, a blessing to your family, and you might want to do it, it more. Uh, often. So if you don't read the articles before next time, that's not a problem. It could be helpful, though, for your experience next time. Tell all your friends, let's pack this place out. Um, <laughs> because we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to sing songs together and stuff like that. And don't you worry, because I can't sing very well either, but it's going to be good fun and I can't wait to do it. This has been much more talky. Next time is going to be more hands on and uh, practical. So I hope you'll. You'll come back uh, for that. Um, well, there you have it. Any other final questions or thoughts about anything we've said? I've, we've got a couple minutes actually left if, if you want. Otherwise, we can go. So I have a question yeah. that has more to do with like, next time, but I'm just still curious. Um, so do you, when you do your family worship, do you follow, is there like a kid's devotional that you go through, or is it something you kind of... So yeah, I will talk about this next time, but uh, we, we've tri I've tried tried to read the actual Bible <laughs> with my kids. We went from, uh, you know, very s sort of simplified <laughs> storybook Bibles, and then I jumped to the actual Bible, and my kids just were like, 
so we found a good intermediary. The language is sometimes kind of weird because it's written in the 1950s, but it's worked for us. It's called the Edgar Myers Bible Storybook, and it has 300 and... 60-something uh, uh, stories, which is kind of perfect because you could basically go through it in about a year-ish, probably a little more than a year because sometimes we don't, we just, if we have the flu and the family doesn't wake up in the morning. So, you know, so we skip a day. Um, but so, yeah, we've, we've done that. And I'll bring in the kind of liturgy that the sort of order, we have kind of an order that we use. <laughs> yeah. We started out being just it was it was a nightmare like I just felt like I was struggling yeah I'll talk about this next one because what I'll bring in is you'll see we we recite things from memory our kids didn't just learn the Apostles Creed I had to like feed them line by line for several weeks and now they can say it from memory so what you'll see, you'll think, gosh, this is really a lot. But we built up to it. And so that's what, if I'll leave anything for you today, baby steps. If you feel like you're not doing any of this and you want to, just small, small, small step. And there's a long trajectory in that direction. Um, and then, you know, looking back for the last couple of years, I'm amazed at how, through those baby steps, how far we've been able to get with our kids with them memorizing certain things. And here's the crazy thing. Kids actually love to memorize. <laughs> I don't, but, but they do. Um, so, well, it's time. Thank you. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.